Greetings, folks. This is Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris, bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10 podcast where the law and information technology intersect. As always, I'm joined by my colleague, Jonathan Armstrong and Cordery. And Jonathan has picked the topic for today. I only found out moments ago, as we always do, we, uh, one of us will pick a topic and just let the other one know, and then we take off. So, Jonathan, this is what I know. I like you. You're liking something about Facebook. Talk to us. <laughs> Thanks very much, Eric. Uh, Jonathan Armstrong here at Cordry in London. Quite a significant case this morning comes from the European Court of Justice, ECJ. And it's about the way in which corporations use social media. Now, we had a case back a year or so ago at the ECJ which concerned an educational establishment, and it encouraged students, lecturers, teachers, etc., to interact over Facebook. And what the ECJ said then was that the educational establishment in that case could become a joint data controller alongside Facebook. Now, it's important to stress that this new case isn't, and the other one aren't really about Facebook per se, Facebook in and of itself, and the same rules will apply to any social media. But it's pretty common, I think, that corporations, organizations, solicit people to like their content on social media. So that might be over Twitter, when you're encouraging people to retweet or like a tweet. It might be on Instagram, where major brands now are using Instagram and encouraging people to like their posts. It might be on YouTube, where people encourage people to comment on films and like them and share them. Or it might be on Facebook, on a fan page, or just general posted content and that type of practice has been dealt something of a compliance blow I'd suggest by this morning's ruling and effectively what it says is that if you encourage that then it's likely that you will have responsibilities to uh, under GDPR and other data protection legislation to the individuals who click on that like button. Now, we've looked at this uh, as part of GDPR compliance plans for a number of organizations, and the way in which people enable likes on content can be quite complex because they might be using the social media site, but they might be using another intermediary type site like Share This, for example, or buffer to distribute the content and to enable it to be liked. And all of this, I think, adds complexity. So what happened in this case? Well, in this case, a, um, a fashion um, uh, retailer, an online fashion retailer called Fashion ID, had a like button or a number of like buttons on its uh, website. And it said, you know, if you like the content, if you like the clothes that you see, why not like us? And a German consumer group, uh, wait for it, Eric, I know you love my German pronunciation, Verbrauker <laughs> uh, Central, um, NRW, claimed that that meant that because uh, Fashion ID were 
pushing people towards social media, then they also became a joint data controller of that data. So effectively, um, the social media site and Fashion ID were both responsible for looking after people's data. And additionally, they said, the uh, German consumer group, that that meant that Fashion ID had to get consent from every user before collecting the data, before transmitting it to the social media site so that the like button could light up. And effectively, the, um, uh, this then went to the court. It first uh, went to the uh, Oberlandsgericht in Dusseldorf, the higher regional court in Dusseldorf, and they asked the ECJ in Luxembourg to rule on this important part of European law. It's under the old Data Protection Directive, but the mm -hmm. law will effectively be the same under GDPR. And first of all, the court said that under the old Data Protection Directive, consumer protection organizations could bring proceedings themselves, like they had done to this uh, court in Dusseldorf, and they said that obviously under GDPR that was even more likely because GDPR gives special powers to consumer organizations. Secondly, they said that, um, uh, that uh, effectively how I opened that, that Fashion ID could be a joint controller. And we've often had this complexity around data protection law where a lot of um, vendors of software systems or travel management systems or payroll systems have said, well, I can't be the data controller under GDPR because you are. And what the ECJ said in a couple of prior cases, one involving the Jehovah's Witnesses, is that that argument is just nonsense. You can have more than one data controller for the same piece of data uh, at the same time. And this, court, uh, and, and this uh, ECJ judgment confirms that as well. So the, um, it, it's quite a complicated situation, and of course, all sorts of consequences arise as a result. So if you're a corporation, you solicit uh, likes on a social media site, and the social media site then has a data breach, then you, as the solicitor of the likes, for want of a better word, could be liable. And of course, we know under GDPR that that's consequential. It could be 4% of your global annual revenue in a significant case. And of course, if the social media site has a breach, then that could be substantial as well, 4% of the revenue of a social media site. And there's all sorts of provisions in GDPR about joint and several liability so that you can sue whomever you choose in a civil action and then the parties have to sort out who pays whom behind the scenes. In any event, that's likely to be a great defeat if there is a regulatory inquiry or civil litigation on the back. So it's a complicated judgment, but it's, yeah. it, but it's uh, significant. And the watchword, of course, is going to be for any organization – to look at how they interact with social media via their website or via their consumer base 
look at how they're soliciting people to like their content and check whether they're prepared to take the compliance risk in enabling that. Wow. Very interesting. Um, and thank you for sharing. That's a mouthful. If you don't mind, I have a few comments. First, just, yeah. you know, as a sociological matter, it's interesting to see how, you know, people on social media platforms, in essence, want to hoard likes. You know, if you're visiting, let's just say, the Eiffel Tower and you post a photo of yourself and your significant other or your family, you know, you, you might judge and your friends might judge, you know, how well you're doing by how many likes you get. And if you're thinking, mm-hmm. gosh, I really should get 150 likes for this and you only get 33, it really wasn't a good experience after all, was it? But that's not really the point of what you're saying. I just sort of note that as, as a matter of interest. Um, this decision is interesting. Um, it seems to me somewhat extreme. Um, uh, you know, if you're encouraging likes and all of a sudden you're responsible for the data, um, in, you know, as you describe. And I'm curious, Jonathan, I have a question before I make a couple other points, and that is, um, does that level of responsibility mean that the company that's encouraging likes then also is responsible, in essence, for truth in advertising in terms of, you know, what's being, you know, offered and what's being stated? Are they responsible in that way too, not just protecting the security of the data itself, but actually vouching for the accuracy of what's being said underlying what's supposed to be liked? Yeah, it it could be as well, because whilst this judgment really only affects liability for uh, data protection purposes, then you'll remember under GDPR, there's also a transparency obligation. So similar to, you know, Fair Trade Act type legislation in the U.S., there's an embedded duty to be transparent in any dealings with personal data in in the six principles in, in GDPR, so potentially, yes, it could have a liability for, for content, yeah. not just for the passing of data. Right, and I, intuitively it makes sense to me that under certain circumstances you certainly can't have more than one data controller, but do you believe, uh, as I'm, you know, this is my first exposure to this, and this yeah. obviously just came down, so I don't know how much you've thought about it already, but you, you seem conversant in it. Um, do you believe that it's relatively extreme under these circumstances to make uh, an entity uh, a joint data controller simply by encouraging likes? What do you think? Well, I, I think that's the way we've been headed since the since the earlier case, the, the, the Schleswig-Holstein case. And <laughs> I think we talked about that at the time. For those who are um, data protection geeks, that case is called... Verschaft Academy Schleswig-Holstein, um, and uh, I think this is the direction we've been heading in. And obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of privacy activists have taken real heart in this. Bitcom, for example, uh, a German privacy organisation, says that every single social media plugin will be affected, and every yeah. website operator has to try and put legal agreements in place with all of the social media that they link to from their site. Otherwise, they say they'll run into what they call liability traps. So the the magnitude of that task cannot be underestimated. If you think that you, as a corporation, even a sizable corporation, 
can go out and put a specific contract in place with every single social media organization that you encourage people to like on or link to, then you might be deceiving yourself. It's, you know, there's going to be a long line of people to try and, who are going to try and negotiate specific contracts with social media providers. And I don't see that line passing by any time quickly. And social media providers, to be sympathetic to them, I don't think have the resources to enter into bespoke agreements with every single person on their website. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of work for lawyers here. Um, I will applaud you for uh, your improving pronunciation of the German language uh, across these many podcasts. You've been taking lessons on the side and speaking of Germany, perhaps next week we're going to visit a topic having to do with the, the EU Digital Services Act, which I think uh, in part has been supported or maybe in large part by Germany. Um, so I'll bet my, I might be for once giving a foreshadowing of topics for the next wow. time around. But I think we're past our 10. So Jonathan Superjob, thank you for informing us of this fast-breaking and very important development. I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can find me at ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. We're hoping you're liking our podcast. We're not telling you to formally like. We're just saying we hope you enjoy them. <laughs> I'm firmly in cheek here. Uh, you can find us on the usual social media platforms. It's kind of funny. I always say that. Uh, and then, Jonathan, why don't you wrap up and tell people how we can find you? Yeah, um, it's important to stress, of course, that interacting with us on social media is opt-in and entirely at your option. Nobody's forcing you to do it. Um, yeah. Legal bit over. I'm Jonathan.Armstrong at CaudryCompliance.com. If you're interested in uh, this or any other topic that uh, we discuss or should discuss on TechLaw 10, let us know, and we'll speak to you again in a week or so. Okay, cheers. Thank you.